Greetings and welcome to Pops Collection, where we dissect and reflect on a movie or TV show from a Pops Collection. I'm Ron Tweedy. Joining me is Pops, and today we're going to be talking about Spider-Man. Spider-Man 2002? Yes. If I'm not mistaken. That's right. Uh, hello, everybody. Be prepared to enjoy a conversation about what I think is one of my favorites as far as... I think it actually started the new genre even better than uh, X-Men movies, I think. The original X-Men movies. Interesting. To get people more excited. Well, we'll get into it. And as we get into it, I guess we can uh, discuss all those things. Sure. First of all, like I said, uh, the actual opening uh, U.S. Worldwide was May 3rd in 2002. Yeah. $139 million budget had a box office of over 825 million. Yep. And it was actually the first film to reach 100 million in one weekend. Yep. So it kind of set a record there. And um also it was at that time the highest um rated superhero film. Yeah, at that time. I could believe that. Yeah, yes. And again, like I said, I feel like this film, unlike X-Men, I feel like this really kind of grew the superhero movie audience. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because it wasn't only a superhero action film. It was also a superhero chick flick. Yeah. I mean, let's face it, they, there was a lot going on there about uh, his relationship, or lack thereof, Yeah, with uh, Mary Jane right. in this movie. Yep. And we also saw, I guess, uh, J.K.'s first appearance as uh, J. Jonah, right? Yes. Which he did reprise in the latest version, the MCU version of Spider-Man. That's right, yeah. But uh, this, I thought, was a very... uh, It was a well... I'm going to say it was a well-rounded movie. Uh Uh-huh, I agree. I feel that the story... uh, It just seemed to flow. And I'm going to say that a lot of that is due to the direction of Sam Raimi. Well, I think it's that, and then I think the other thing in particular that had the biggest effect on it was Brian Michael Bendis when he uh, did Ultimate Spider-Man. I think that actually is really what th- this movie is drawing all of its uh, source material from. Right, because it's not really the original canon. I mean, it's no. close, very close to it. No, but I, it's not the original. Yeah, not. I definitely would have to disagree. I mean, the 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 only real plot point that really shares the original is uh, Uncle Ben his, and his arc. Everything else to me is pretty much all taken from Ultimate Spider-Man, which is not a, it's not that's not a value judgment. It's not a bad thing or a good thing, in my opinion. It's just you know as a person who read a lot of spider-man so and you you can also attest to this oh yeah you, know, yes. uh, you have all of the ultimate spider-man i think right the at least the original i one. do yeah i have the entire ultimate spider-man yeah collection and comic books yeah even the little story arcs where peter parker dies right yeah and i have uh some uh trade paperback reprints of the original uh stanley uh steve ditko run so you know i I've read all that stuff. I watched the cartoon from the 90s as a kid religiously. Um, you know, you and I even went back and watched some of the 67 series not too yes, long ago. Yes, yes, which I really, uh, I still thoroughly enjoy that. Yeah. It so reminds me. And that actually uh, is stuff that uh, Sam Raimi uh, grew up watching the same thing. Yep. We, uh, there were on the DVD. They had a little uh, uh, interview with him, uh-huh. and 
he said the same exact things that I said in some of our other episodes about getting up in the morning and getting ready for school yeah. and watching an episode of Sp- Spider-Man. It was right. just so really the same. And I was like, wow. <laughs> and then I also learned, too, that he actually grew up with a painting of Spider-Man on his bedroom wall. Interesting. Yes. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's very interesting the direction they decided to go because now that I'm, you know, kind of talking it through with you, I'm realizing the what they're doing here, what Sony did because, you know, again, you know, we've talked about this a couple times at least, but you know, Sony owns the right the movie rights to, to Spider-Man. They purchased them from Marvel. But I I really think that they wanted to make Batman but with this character, the the 89 Batman, I should say. Um, they hired a, a director who's known for horror, Sam Raimi. They got Danny Correct. Elfman to do the score. Oh, yes. And, you know, you can definitely tell. Um, the, the only thing different, I think, is that Gotham's, uh, Tim Burton's vision of Gotham is way more cartoony than Raimi's vision of New York, which, you know, I, I get that. Um, but I think that's also the reason why it uh, did as well as it did. Right. Well, I have to say that that's all part of Marvel's uh, takeover of the market, too, because they were not afraid to um, put uh, their superheroes in real places, Mm -hmm. not made up places uh, like DC had done. Yeah. Uh, And plus what that did for. Uh, which I thought was really interesting. I saw something about it uh, that it made the artists, the different artists that took uh, took over for Spider-Man, which there was three or four, actually a father and later on his son actually uh, took over. Yeah, John Ramada or Ramita. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. But because it was based in a real city, yeah. when they did buildings, they had PowerPoints that they could yep. relate to and be able to actually draw in the comics. And people that were from that area would know, yep. oh my gosh, that's that bridge, right. that's that building, yep. you know? Yep. And um, plus, again, the original story, yeah. uh, Stan Lee's uh, vision of it being a teenager yep and actually have having issues where uh spider-man was having issues because he had a really nasty cold or you know he was sick with the flu or something Mm -hmm. you know that that those are things that like kids were going through and they saw that you know he was a real teenager Right, and... And they it, could relate. Yeah, and I also say that he also had um, real-world problems. You know, when you think about, like, the Fantastic Four, where you have Reed Richards and the rest of the guys up up in the, the tower, you know, he's just always inventing stuff and coming up with crazy things, where Peter Parker, you know, he's trying to figure out how is he going to help May make rent for that month. Right, true. Yeah. And... uh the thing with the, the Bendis version of it, uh-huh. uh, which I really liked, is that he kind of updated things. Mm-hmm. I saw something where he said, you know, originally he wanted to be a photographer for a newspaper. But, mm-hmm. at you know, by the time the 2000s came around, newspapers were not, you know, boys weren't saying, hey, yes, I want to be a photographer right. for the Miami Herald. Right. You know, or New York Times or whatever. That just wasn't the thing. So they, uh, Bendis updated the Spider Man story quite a lot. Right. And, uh, he also made str- it more yeah. relevant to the new, you know, new age. Yeah. I mean, I, I think relevance was kind of secondary. I think it was more streamlined than anything else. Because if you look at the story, like, you know, Harry's already his best friend. Uh, Mary Jane's already in the picture. If you were if you were to look at the original story, the first love interest that Peter Parker has is Betty Brant at the at the bugle. 
And, yes. you know, she, I think, makes a, a brief appearance in this film. I don't even know if they call her out by name. They don't. Yeah, they so. Don't. And, yeah. But, yes, she is, uh, she is supposed to be the secretary that uh, right. tells Peter, welcome to the bugle. Right, exactly. And then, you know, he, per, Peter didn't meet Mary Jane until after he met Gwen Stacy, who Mary Jane was the best friend of. So that's how he ended up, you know, and they didn't like each other at first, obviously. And, you know, we didn't, we don't really talk about Gwen Stacy. Uh, she doesn't even make an appearance in this film. So it's interesting. No, she doesn't. And uh, she, I think that she's in the second redo. She's, yeah, she's Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, she's in the main Spider-Man. Yeah. So, which again, uh, the in the comics, there was Spectacular... Yep. Amazing. Yep. Uh, Peter Parker. You know, they had all these different comics yeah. to go. And even more. storylines. Yeah. As as things got more popular, because, you know, for me, that's when I my first entry into the comics was when Tom McFarlane was doing it back in the late oh, 80s, early yes. 90s. And they it, he did such a uh, his style was so popular that they gave him his own book to do just himself, but to write and to to illustrate called Spider-Man. It was just called Spider-Man. Yes, and I really loved the way the Spider-Man, I think, was a little bit more crisp and more defined in his version. Oh, yeah, and the webbing that he does is just so unique. I love it. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. And um, I think, like, him and then when uh, when Bendis did it, that was also when they started using... Uh, different style paper yeah digital coloring yeah a lot of that stuff too. yes yeah. and that whole that changed things too yeah and I, um, I i'm still not totally sold on it you know i've seen it work in some places but then like i don't know there's something about using the old coloring that i don't know the, there's something yes, well they had a limited palette there's something the lost there like you had to be like extra creative back in the day you know oh yeah well you know, it's kind of the way that I am with paying my bills. Uh-huh. I'm all about old school. Send me the bill and I'll write you a check and I'll send it out. Yeah. I, you know, nowadays you could just like, oh, you can pay it online and, right. you know, do whatever. Yeah. But you don't have that hard copy. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with my DVD collection. Yeah. Yeah. You could digitally download those things and you could actually probably have a whole cabinet of my movies on you know one uh download thing uh which i'm gonna call it those things you push into the side of the computer right yeah I know what you know what i'm talking about yeah um you could probably download a whole case onto right. that but right. i gotta have the hard copy mm-hmm. you know to me, it's there's something about having something in your hands. Yeah, I agree. You know, and it's the same thing with the old comics. You can't, uh, you can't put a value on that kind of history. You know, and the way things were, the yeah. nostalgia of it. When I look at it, yeah, it's so totally. Oh yeah, well it, I can remember that. Yeah, and it depends on how good of a job they did in preserving it and how they preserved it like you know i i've, I've done a lot of reading via the marvel limited app which is really nice because th- the thing is is like you know you could literally spend a fortune trying to track down all the back issues and things like that uh where if you just want to know what happened in the story and kind of look at you know a, a good approximation of the art uh it's a really good way to do it but i know particularly for the walt simonson thor run um, they actually ended up recoloring it for the digital version of it, and it's not the same. I, uh, I actually have a couple of like print issues from the the early '80s, and I just did like a side by side comparison, and there there's some big differences there. But when I go back and look at say like Power Man and Iron Fist, they didn't do all of that. They it, they they kept the same colors as it was in the the issues. So it's it's interesting. Like with some you know books, they decided to do it that way, and some books they didn't. So it's uh, it's interesting. Yes, and I imagine if you got all of the Walt Simons stuff, you would be paying a small fortune, like you said. Possibly, yeah. I, I don't or know. maybe the Todd McFarlane one too. I, would I, I have a couple of Todd McFarlane ones actually. So, um, 
I'll have to look yeah, them up. And but see. if you had the whole line, yeah. I imagine it would be a pretty penny. I don't think so. But at that point, when he was doing that stuff, it that that was the point where the comic distributors and the uh, the manufacturer and the printers they decided to print way more copies than they knew that you know would actually sell because they just assumed that demand would grow when it didn't end up doing that. So a lot of the that version, like the early '90s stuff. You could get dirt cheap. Like I bought like an entire Rob Liefeld run of X Force. I bought the whole thing for like I don't know twenty bucks or something like that off of eBay. It, so I have like the whole X Force run that he did. So wow, yeah, it, it's yeah, it's not <laughs> it's not super expensive that 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 era. So right, well, okay, I understand that. Yeah, well, yeah, that was the same thing with the when the Bendis Ultimate Spider Man came out. Yeah, uh, they thought that it wasn't doing well by issue number five mm-hmm. they started cutting back on the printing mm-hmm. because it wasn't selling as well then yep. when the movie came out right yep <laughs> that all changed i remember uh your brother was into it at yeah. the time right and we paid uh i think fifty dollars for issue number five Wow. That was the only one that we didn't have. Yeah. And it was one of his presents. Okay. If I'm not mistaken, at one time, or he worked for me for five hours to pay for it or whatever. I can't remember, but yeah, it's mine now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, yes. This movie, I think, was successful on a number of things. Like oh, yeah. you said, Sam Raimi's direction, uh, Danny Elfman's uh, musical scores. I don't know if you noticed, but he has ever so slightly two different uh, musical themes uh-huh. for Peter Parker and for Spider-Man. Uh-huh. They're very similar, but... There's there is a difference. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and I, I it's funny because like when the movie was, uh, you know, we were sitting down to watch it, and almost exactly like the Batman movie, that it starts off with a uh, opening credit sequence, and it has yes. you know the title card, and it goes through, and you know the original Batman is like they were kind of just doing like a. Um, a flyby over the Batman logo. This is more of a genetic sequencing thing, and and so it really plays into that particular angle of the uh, the ultimate version of the origin story. So, um, but it, it just it, it was the Danny Elfman music at the same time, and it sounds like Danny Elfman his very um, distinctive whimsical flavor of uh, of music. And I was like, okay, this this feels like Batman to me. It's really funny. Yes. Well, what was his band? Oingo Boingo or something, I think. Yeah, something that's like where that, he, or... he got fame from Oingo Boingo, Oingo Boingo. And then his first uh, line at composing was Pee Wee's Big Adventure. So Timber yes. made his break into composing. So, Right. And he is just, he's really good. Anytime you see a film that has him doing the music, you can, you can, I anticipate that you are going to be somehow affected yep. because of the way that he does his music. There's just no way around it. He's he's just really, he's a genius. He's really good at what he does. And uh, the other thing that I thought was, that made this movie was all the actors and actresses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you I know, agree. Tobey Maguire, Willem Dafoe. Kirsten Dunst, James right. Franco, Cliff Robertson, Rosemary Harris. Oh, and we can't forget, oh, yeah. <laughs> Randy Macho yeah. Man. Yeah. Bonesaw and, is ready. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, he had a nice cameo. And also Bruce Campbell. Who, who, uh, who is he? He was the uh, announcer in the ring. I sunglasses. thought he looked familiar. Okay, and that I guess that's yes. you know, yeah, that's definitely he, a Sam Raimi trope. He was, yeah, yes, from Evil Dead. He was, right. uh, uh, so Raimi guy, and also Raimi's uh, 
brother played in there. He played a, a cameo role in there. Huh. So, and uh, what I have to say about the major group of actors and actresses. Yeah. Uh, if you check out some of, you know, their past films. Right. They kind of, inter- a couple of them interconnected like McGuire interconnected with uh, Harris and. Yeah. Or not, Defoe was with Harris, I think. Okay. And then, you know, Franco did something with this one. And he, they so they like, it wasn't the first time that they acted together. Okay. You know, so I think that sometimes there's a little bit more comfort in familiarity. Sure. Or you could have yeah. the exact opposite where he didn't get along the first time and now you got to act again. That's that's true. That, that was that's uh, true. That was the story of uh, Dirty Dancing with uh, Jennifer Grey and um, Patrick Swayze. They uh, they were on Red Dawn together and they hated each other. And so he had to, you know, apologize to her and they had to kind of bury the hatchet before they could do the movie together. Right. But they did. Yeah. And and I'm just uh, saying it, it could work both ways. Whether they have familiarity, true. it could be a good way, a good thing, and a bad thing. So. Well, I don't know. Based on the way this movie came out, no, I agree. It's, it, they did find that this time it was fine, but I think so. I yeah. think it was really good. Yeah. Um. So, like you said, this movie really doesn't start with the normal canon as right. far as the story itself. As a yeah. matter of fact, he's. Only in high school for a, a small amount of the movie. Yeah, that is that was an interesting choice, and I think part of it has to do with the fact that of the uh, actor. D- do you know how old Tobey Maguire was when he was in this movie? I do not. Twenty six years old. Wow! So <laughs> he was he was a senior in col- in high school that just really didn't. Well, he had a problem passing the twelfth grade. Well, that, I guess. that that was the only thing going back now and revisiting the film that really took me out of it was the guy had a five o'clock shadow and he's supposed to be this teenager, you know? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So it, it that, well, that you know, I guess you could if you wanted to go if you saw the five o'clock shadow after he got bit. Yeah. You no, know, it was before. We saw five o'clock shadow on his fingers. So no, uh, that, yeah. yeah, that was that was before. But you know, it's funny because I I said okay, well, now that I went and did the math and figured out how old he was, so he you know it it, it was twenty six in two thousand two. So he it might have when they were filming, he might have been twenty five. That's fine, whatever. But I had to go back and do the math to see how old Tom Holland was when the uh, homecoming First, came, uh, yeah homecoming yeah. came out. And so he was 21. So he was still also not a teenager, but at least he still looks really young. Like he really did pull off the teenager thing. Well, he was also not a senior then. True. That's true. Right. Tom Holland played even a younger version. Right. So, uh, yeah, I found that pretty interesting, too. Yeah. But not as young, of course, as the animated version, which was Miles Morales, and yeah, he was a middle schooler. So right, right. Yeah. I guess that was the only way to get a do it animated to get the actor to do that. Uh, well, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it. Uh, it's uh, there. There. There's. Uh, I don't know. They, they could have. I think they could have pulled it off. I, I. I don't know, but but I de- I definitely agree that for that movie which we probably should do an episode on that one eventually too um but that that one we will yeah yeah we will but that one i think animated was actually the perfect thing for it because of the nature of the story you know how they want to do you know incorporate all the different alternate spider-man so that that worked out perfect yes it did yeah yes it did and uh we're not going to talk about that one too much no no i guess um because we uh Actually, we've done all this talking, and we haven't really mentioned much about the movie. Well, the thing is, we talked about we've talked about this story, this origin story of Peter Parker slash Spider Man many times over. Now, you know, we talked about it. I think at least we touched on it when Spider Man made his appearance in Civil War. We talked about it in Homecoming. So, 
you know, we yeah, don't need to rehash true. it. We don't really rehash, you know, we, we can talk a little bit about some of the events. I do want to talk about one of the sticking points for me that it was at the beginning of the, uh, at, when I first saw it, I had, it was a big sticking point for me. This, and it's still a big sticking point for me, but we'll, we'll get to that once we get to that point in the story. But, um, yeah, I, I'm actually more interested in talking about the differences between the original origin story versus the, the one in this film, because they did take a lot of, you know, creative license and kind of reimagine yes. a lot. And I think part of it was, and this is just kind of a trope of uh, just the superhero comic genre in general, is that when you're dealing with all these fantastic things uh, or amazing things, I guess you could say, uh, if we're going to use a, a theme. But when you do that, you will use plot devices to move the story along and to bring you into that realm of fantasy or sci-fi or whatever genre you're writing in. And so you'll use things to kind of get you to there as a gateway. And so, you know, we're talking about the original Spider-Man and in the 60s and pretty much Every origin has this particular element, which is radiation, because obviously we're in the age of the atom. You know, we're just past uh, World War II, where uh, atomic weapons were first used. And, you know, the uh, the fact that you were in a Cold War with the USSR and we're stockpiling all these giant bombs. Obviously, the radiation part of it was the uh, plot device that stanley and others used to give people powers whether it was gamma radiation for bruce banner whether it was for cosmic radiation for the fantastic four you know just like all that they wanted to use a radioactive spider for peter parker and brian michael bendis realized hey that's not really how radiation works so maybe we should come up with a different solution (laughs) for the origin which he did right Uh, right genetically enhanced Right, genetic engineering is kind of the the main thing in, in this one, which is it, it's an interesting um, uh, reimagining of it. I I I don't know. I, I, I'm wondering thirty years from, I guess ten years from now, thirty years from two thousand, um, if we'll look at the the genetic genetically modified spider thing is also a very archaic trope or, or not it'll be interesting to see if we have that sa- those same kind of uh um you know perspectives well i mean aren't they genetically uh enhancing uh the food that we eat now they're are they trying to make uh crops uh resistant to certain things by genetically well enhancing them and stuff right so i mean it's kind of something that's still in today's yeah yes and um, no i mean you know the reality is we've been genetically modifying crops and 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 livestock for thousands of years we've just gotten a little bit more sophisticated in how we do that so um you know we use selective breeding and all and you know cross-pollination all the time we've been using that for thousands of years so it's not really that new of a concept it's just like I said, right, we're but it's more... just it's just more scientific, and now you yeah. can do that by injecting a little something into a seed with a needle, as yeah. opposed to uh, you know having a horse mate with a donkey to make a mule or right, whatever, right. you know, or vice versa. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah. So yeah. yes, we're more able technology-wise to make those changes, right? But I thought it was the interesting. Like I said, we it the movie opens up with a monologue, right? And you're going down the bus, and you're hearing uh, Toby McGuire give this monologue, and he's hoping to be the strong guy. He said, "But that's not me." And he's not even the guy shoveling food into his face. And yeah. He's the guy outside the bus. Right. You know, and so, you know, we automatically start getting that thing with him. Uh, and then we kind of, if I'm not mistaken, get to the point where uh, they go to the field trip and all that stuff yeah. is all the first part of it, right? Yeah. So we've pretty much, this is going to be a 
uh, 10-15 minute origin story for him. Right. And then we're going to get next another 10-15 minutes with uh, Osborne, right. Norman Osborne, yep. and get his origin story. Yeah, I, I, that is the interesting thing about this film is that it, it actually is two origin stories and they really do parallel each other a lot. I mean, we have, um, well, the, the the key difference I think is that you know Peter's origin uh, into Spider Man, it really is more of a uh, accident. It's not intentional. So you know, we talk about he gets hit bit by a genetically modified spider that was on the loose there, and that's kind of sets things in motion. But for for Norman. It's the opposite. It, it's uh, they're working on an experimental thing for the military, and it's getting behind schedule. And so, in order to to finalize the experimentation, Norman voluntarily puts himself under the the experiment in order to to transform, even though it's dangerous to do that. But he does it anyway. Right. Well, he's that's the whole thing. He's going to lose the contract because right. Uh, one of his scientists has said, "Hey, we need to." step back because and the military guys like uh well we're not going to do that you know he's for whatever reason he doesn't like norman osborne the military guy yeah and you can see that yeah and i do think that was a missed opportunity of uh they could have brought in uh what's his name ross thunderbolt oh yes yeah they they, they should have done that but um they should have brought him in, and then they, they also should have, instead of using a competitor named Quest, they could have gone to, like, AIM. They could have gone to Roxxon. They could have gone to Stark Industries. There were so many places they could have gone, but they decided to make up something, which I thought was kind of lame. Yes. But then again, I come to expect that from the MCU. And so since we're not, this is not an MCU film, eh, I guess I could let it slide. All right. Remember, this is Sony and... Uh... Right. Sam Raimi, he was going in a certain direction. And uh, actually, you know, this movie was originally decided that they were going to do a live action Spider-Man back in the 80s. Yeah. And it took them a long time to actually, and a lot of different scripts and directors that they were going to try and use that they never used. That's right. So it took them a long time to get to where they got to. Right. And Sam Raimi actually was the one that, uh, based on his interview and just his passion talking about Spider-Man and knowing the story, right? Uh, I think that they felt that he was going to be uh, more true to the story, yeah, to the main story. Uh, which kind of more, like you said, to the Bendis stuff a little bit, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with that. It's, you know, just, just is, you know, it's just, it was a choice and, uh, no, it's fine. Yes. Yes, definitely. Uh, so we got two origin stories and, uh, actually as, uh, Norman became uh, Green Goblin. He just happens to, I'm going to say accidentally, maybe not, but he kills the guy that caused him all the trouble in the first place. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) You know? Yeah. So, um, yes. So this, then all of a sudden now we get, uh, I think we, Peter comes home. Right. And he's beat, and so we got Uncle Ben and May, Aunt May. Yep. And he's not going to eat dinner. Right. And he's just going to go upstairs, which, as a parent, your teenager comes home and is not hungry, and he (laughs) looks a little lethargic. What are you thinking? Yeah, that's right. You know, so... Yeah, yeah. He's going through a time afterwards. He wakes up in the morning and he's a whole nother guy. Right. You know, he's a little buff. And I didn't know if that was real or if that was, um, you know, 
CG, the muscle part of it. No, I'm sure it was real. Yeah, yeah. you think so? Yeah. Yeah, because you, well, really, you could really tell the CG parts in this film. That has not aged well. And so, yeah, I think that was completely real. That's true. That's true. But again, for its time, it actually won a couple of, of awards for its special effects. Yeah, I know. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, but... Yes, actually, I saw one of the extras was the screen tests for the actors, and the one they did for Tobey Maguire, he had to do some, like, kung fu fighting. Uh-huh. So he was able to do that stuff. So I guess he is, I guess he was, that was his real body. Uh-huh. I agree. But anyways, so that's kind of, we start... Getting now Norman, uh, Harry, I'm sorry, Harry and Pete are friends. Right. Norman's son, Harry. Yes. And that's where we start to get the interaction between Norman and Peter. Right. You know, and uh, like you said, there are two different origins going in two different directions. Yeah. Because that was the that was the caveat that. Uh, uh, Norman's uh, co-worker said it was driving the mice insane. Right. Insanity. So I guess that's something that he inherited. Yeah, that, that was an interesting way of playing it. Um, I don't remember if the original Green Goblin had like a... It's kind of like a multiple personality disorder type of thing. I don't remember if that was the case for the original Green Goblin. But I think that was a part of the... Uh, ultimate the original canon or i the think ultimate the ultimate spider-man canon. yeah i think that was definitely more of a yeah. trope for the ultimate kink and i think that the original green goblin he didn't it wasn't revealed till much much later who it actually was with norman osborne and um right so well that is one thing i have to say about uh raimi's direction uh-huh the way that uh willem defoe acted yeah that and they did uh the dual personality thing with the mirror yeah and ah that was a really exceptional part of the movie agreed you know i thought it was really good the way they did that so that made it great and then uh we start he's starting to be revengeful and again, now we're all of a sudden we're out of high school. Yeah. Pete loves Mary Jane, mm-hmm. uh, but can't say anything to her. Right. Because he's too shy or whatever. Yep. And so his best bud that he's living with now that they're out of high school. Right. Is dating Mary Jane. Yeah. Yeah. He starts to make a move on her at Columbia when they're at the, the field trip. And yeah, it ends up being that way as, as Peter gets his powers, you know, we talked about how like he, you know, tries them out, beats up flash and everything like that. And, um, yeah, that, that ends up happening. And, uh, yes, in order to impress Mary Jane, he realized he thinks that he needs a car and that kind of moves the plot forward about him trying to figure out with his new powers, how can he get money for a car? Right. Oh yeah. (laughs) So... (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, uh, well, well, before that happens, uh, Uncle Ben decides to drive him to the to the quote unquote library where he's going to actually go not to the library, but somewhere else. But after he drives uh, him there, we get like, I think, like the main speech. And this is very uh, reminiscent of the original uh, first issue of the uh, Spider-Man story, which was in Amazing Fantasy 15. Um, and I do have the clip of that. So let's listen to what Uncle Ben Tells Thank Peter, you. and I think it's important because I think that that's kind of the big thing about this yes. movie. So we'll we'll focus. Oh, on absolutely. That. So listen to this. Thanks for the ride, Uncle. Oh, ben. wait a minute, Peter. We uh, we need to talk. Well, we can talk later. Well, we can talk now if you let me. But what do we have to talk about? Why now? Because we haven't talked at all for so long. Your aunt May and I don't even know who you are anymore. You shirk your chores. You. Have all those weird experiments in, in your in your room. You, you start fights at school. We I don't didn't know. start that fight. I told you that. Yeah, well, you sure as hell finished. 
What was I supposed to do, run away? No, no, you're not supposed to run away, but... Pete, look, you're changing. I know, I went through exactly the same thing at your age. No, not exactly. Peter, these are the years when a man changes into the man he's going to become the rest of his life. Just be careful who you change into. This guy, Flash Thompson, he probably deserved what happened. But just because you can beat him up, doesn't give you the right to. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. Are you afraid that I'm gonna turn into some kind of criminal? Quit worrying about me, okay? Something's different, I'll figure it out. Stop lecturing me, please. I don't mean to lecture and I don't mean to preach. And I know I'm not your father. Then stop pretending to be. Right. Yeah, so I, I, I really thought the idea of what Uncle Ben says there that, you know, these are the years where the, a man really turns into the person he's going to be. And um, I don't think that's really emphasize that much nowadays and how uh the decisions that you make as you know teenager as you're finishing up school um that's really going to put you on a path or a trajectory of how your life is going to play out and so uh it, it's important for you to make the right decisions now to uh, set up um habits and uh things in your life so when you're an adult and out on your own, you know, you can uh, rely on those things to get you through, you know? Yeah, well, I would have to agree with that. But um, he said at the end, you know, he that he wasn't his father. He said something that we know that he's going to regret in just a little bit. Right, right. Um, but again, he's a teenager and as we know, teenagers know everything until they turn 20, yeah. uh, when they're no longer teenagers and they, then reality sinks in. Yeah. But we all made dumb mistakes when we were teenagers. Right. And sometimes it's having an adult figure that you respect that is able to help guide you yeah. in a direction. Yep. And I can say that I failed at that a few times, um, but I tried my best. But still, there are some teenagers that don't even have somebody trying. Right. And so the mistakes that they're making, which, again, we make a lot of them. We're all human, but when we're teenagers, they seem to be uh, impounded because of the fact that uh, we just do stupid things. It's, you know, when we're older, yeah, but we can look back and say, oh my gosh, I wish I didn't do that or I didn't take that step. Well, I think that, I think there's a difference and I, there's a, a difference between making mistakes i don't think that's really the important thing i think the important thing is like decisions that you're making now have an effect on your future and you know mistakes are one thing but like the the way that you choose to live your life um in general not not like a you know this is how i'm going to actually spend my day but you know these are the things i'm going to do um right. th those are the ones that are important you know i think making mistakes is all that's just a part of the growing up process to begin with but it's more about there are important decisions that you have to make and whether you make if you make them or you don't make them they put you on a trajectory that's going to uh, have great impact on how the rest of your life plays out right that's true so. and in this particular in this particular version it's Doing whatever he can. Right. Peter's not, uh, and in the other genres, he goes to college and he's studying. Right. To be a scientist or whatever, you know. So 
in this version, all at this time, all he's really cares about is Mary Jane and, and he photography. Needs to get a car and photography. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, that's th- what he's into right now. Yeah, and you know they mention these things, but they never show him doing the sciencey stuff. So and that, that was one thing for me was a, a pretty, it, you know, I, I, they 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 put a lot of stuff in this movie, so you know something had to to give, and so they decided not to to do that. Well, what he did is like, for instance, when he was talking with Norman, you know, he mentions a paper that Norman did, and yeah. it spews out some scientific mumbo-jumbo thing and Norman's impressed. Yeah, I'm a bit of a scientist myself. That's been been memed to death uh, over the internet. Yeah, yeah, which is just hilarious. But, you know, that's kind of how they... Yeah, uh, but they never show it. They just say it. No. Yeah, so anyway. But yeah. Well, they also also have a picture of him and, and when he's graduating and he's not taking the picture. Yeah. But they're saying they don't say cheese; they say chess. Sure, you know, like because okay, well, he's must be real smart. He's in the chess club. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. You're right. Yeah, you know. All right, let's move along. <laughs> yes, we need to. All right, so he goes to. Uh, we already talked about bone saw to to fight bone saw. Right, <laughs> which is hilarious. Oh yeah. yes, it R- was. rest in peace, Randy Savage. Um, yes. Uh, so yeah, he does that, um, and just, this is very similar to the original origin story, he lets, uh, um, you know, he doesn't get the money he thinks he's promised, and, you know, the place gets robbed, and he didn't stop the robber because of, he felt slighted before, and it turns out that's the exact same robber who ends up killing Uncle Ben, and so, um, you know, Peter feels responsible for that death. Yes. Which, you know, yes, he does. Which, which I, I mean, I get that. Um, but, and I think that the third movie kind of cheapens it a little bit. But we'll, we'll talk to that in, in just a few weeks um, about that. But, um, right. Oh, I agree with that. I yeah. agree with that uh, 100%. It definitely cheapens it. So, anyway, he, he does uh, that. If you don't already know, spoiler alert, number three is not my favorite movie. Yeah. So. yeah, that's fine anyways yep so you get that we have um at the same time he's got uh norman he his descent into madness continues and so he's taking all of the technology that oscorp is uh developing for the military and so he's using that to go on a a rampage a vengeful yes a revenge filled rampage because he gets uh booted out of his own company right Exactly. By the board. Yep. And so, you know, we have um, a couple. Yeah, that, so that's kind of the big thing. And like you said, at graduation, he um, I, he gets like this this new, as, you know, he reflects on ben, you know, Uncle Ben being gone. Part of the mourning process, he realizes that in order to uh, use his power for good, he decides to, you know, go on a, a good crime fighting uh thing and so he's helping out around the neighborhood that the word of spider-man's getting out and then that's when we get he's developed a new uh a new costume yeah yeah and that's where we get introduced to uh jay jonah jameson wanting pictures of spider-man that's always been (laughs) also another memeable moment for for everybody that his uh uh, jk simmons portrayal of him and uh so well he does a great job yeah Totally yeah. agree. Totally As agree. a matter of fact, like I said, the uh, casting director or the yeah, um, everybody was chosen really good. Rosemary Harris, yeah, is a spitting image of yes. the original Aunt May. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, and uh, Cliff Robertson, somewhat similar yeah. to Uncle Ben. I agree. Definitely. Yeah. So. That much of that characters and Kirsten Dunst, yeah, yeah, kind of. I don't know anybody could be Mary Jane. I think you know. Yeah, depending maybe. upon which artist. Well, you can look at one artist uh, depiction. Oh and yeah, oh, yeah, I know what you mean. She's perfect, and then you look at another one, and not so much. Yeah, you know? yeah. 
I, I don't so. I don't disagree with any of that. All right. Okay. So yeah, they so after that, Peter finds his way for him to make money by taking pictures of himself in costume and selling it to the Daily Bugle. Um, there, there's a scene where, uh, we have the most 2002 thing happening where they have a parade and Macy Gray is there singing. And, um, that's when the, the Green Goblin finally makes his public appearance and starts, uh, you know, going on a rampage amongst that. And so Spider-Man goes in there, he saves Mary Jane and yes, we also get, that is the one time that we get an appearance, a special guest appearance. Uh-huh. Also at the same time. Okay. Yes. Uh, Stan Lee himself. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's in the crowd. That's right. Yes. That's right. And he actually pulls a little girl away from some falling debris. That's right. That's right. No words, but that's his little cameo. (laughs) Right. Yep. And then, yeah, we get further along in the story that, uh, you know, uh, MJ moves into the city. She's going to try her... her, her, try to get into acting uh it doesn't work out super well for her and uh, she's working in a diner and so you know peter and harry have moved into a a place that kind of you know harry's dad's taking care of and so uh more stuff happens not some incidental stuff happens and then she mary jane uh gets into some trouble with some guys trying to assault her in an alley spider-man comes in saves her then you have that iconic scene where they have the kissing scene where he's upside down. Yes. Um, <laughs> Piper was watching this movie with me in and out. And um, she asked uh, after they had that kissing scene, she asked, are they going to get married? <laughs> Did you say not in this movie? <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> not in this movie. <laughs> so. <laughs> so well, pretty- that's good. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Well, but anyway, so that that happens. Um, yes, and again, we're, uh, the, uh, scene with, uh, previous scene yeah. was, uh, the first confrontation with Spider-Man and Green Goblin. Yes, right. And so then they, that's how they developed, uh, Green Goblin decided he needed to either work with him or get rid of him. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so that's when he did the fire thing. Put uh-huh. the building on fire. Yep, he did that. He also crashed into the the Daily Bugle, trying to threaten Jameson to give up his source. And like you said, you know, he's trying to figure out who he is. And so it turns out that in the fight at the fire, like you said, he injures Spider Man's arm. And somehow, when Peter comes home for Thanksgiving and everybody's there, Norman finds out in the room as he's up there, the, a drop of blood drops from his arm. He never sees him, but he already makes the connection. Oh, yeah. Pir- well, Spider-Man's Peter he Parker. makes a connection at the dinner. Yeah, I know. But Norman's like, supposed to yeah, cut, I'm like, cut the... Uh, anyway, I thought that was really ridiculous. Yeah, come on. Yeah, but so really, anyway. Peter, you couldn't have put a Band-Aid on that before you put well, a long sleeve shirt on? I mean, not only that, but just the fact that it's like, I don't know, it, it, I don't know. It hey, was you know. to move the plot, I think. Yeah, so he figures it out. So he realizes that in order to get to Spider-Man, he needs to get to Aunt May. So he goes... To ones he loves. Yeah, exactly. So the uh, Goblin you know, busts in on Aunt May, menaces her. She goes in the hospital. He's visiting her. Then he finds out that uh, Mary Jane is the one most important to him because he learns that from Harry. And so right, he can, yes, because Harry Sp- was girlfriend, yeah, but exactly, exactly. Now they're on the outs, and so they, yeah. so um, Peter and MJ share a moment at the hospital with Wyatt Mays. They're convalescing, and then uh, once uh, Green Goblin figures that out, he kidnaps Mary Jane, holds her for hostage, and also has a car full of children, a, a sky car uh, full of children, and so uh, he makes Spider Man choose, but. He's able to say both, so. <laughs> right, yes. Well, that was supposed to be, you know, as the hero. Okay, yeah. you're going to be the hero and not the bad guy. So right, right. The bad guy doesn't care who he kills. The yep. good guy tries to save everyone. Right, right. And, and to have to make a decision. Yeah. You know. But he didn't have to. to make it hard. He didn't have he to. Didn't. That's the thing. Like, And so, like, I, I, I don't know. That, that to me, was like, 
it didn't seem like it was one of those big dilemmas because he was able to say both of them pretty easily. And then you get to the final battle between him and, and this scene in particular, it really reminded me a lot of Batman again, just the, the way the movie was shot at that point, it was dark. It was in like this old abandoned creepy building, you know, yes, it's very, very definitely. similar to the, between Joker and Batman, which I, I mean, I didn't, I, that, that is not a knock on the movie. It's a, it's a compliment because I think it is kind of a, um, you know, very much a, a send up, a, an homage to it. And so, um, it was cool, yes. but yeah, but you know, uh, in this case, you know, the glider, he tries to take it for Peter. It, it ends up going into to Harry, uh, Norman and Norman ends up uh, yes. dying by Spider his own hand. Sense. Yeah. Yes. And he removes his mask and that's when Pete, or no, he had removed his mask before. Right. So that's how he kind of got, uh, he knew it was Peter. All yeah, along, he did. Well, after you know things uh, right. were revealed to him, right? But you had to remember too that he uh, is insane because of the yeah. gas. Uh huh. So he pretended like he was himself, but all along he was yep. wanting to kill Peter. Yep. Yep. And because Peter wasn't going to join him, right? And with his dying breath, he t- he asks Peter not to tell Harry about any of this, and so Spider Man delivers Norman. Norman's body back to the house. And so uh, Harry now believes that Spider-Man is responsible for the death of his father. And he, uh, you know, he, he swears revenge on him on, to get Spider-Man. And so now Peter realizes that, you know, he's still, there's still a danger to the people that he loves. And so as at, at, at Harry's or Norman's funeral, when uh, MJ confesses her love for him he realizes hey i can't be with you because it's dangerous and he doesn't tell her that he just says i just can't be with you i'll always be your friend and um that's pretty much the rest of the movie right oh yeah yes he's just well he said i will always be there for you as a friend right which makes her cry because she had just admitted her love for him right and then we get the closing sequence, which was really, really good. Uh-huh. Uh, also, another one of those things that, uh, you know, it just kind of, you thought like, okay, where do we go from here? You uh-huh. know? Uh-huh. We got a good thing going. What are we going to do with it? You know? Right. Yep. Agreed. Now, <clears throat> as far as the movie goes, it... Like I said, it was thoroughly entertaining. I enjoyed it immensely. Yeah. Uh, this is the one caveat, uh, bad part that I thought uh, was how all of a sudden, after Thanksgiving, yeah, that Harry trashes Mary Jane, and he's going to defend his father. Right. You know, and then th- through that rest part of the movie, he's defending his father. Yeah. It's like, what happened? He's been abusing you. He's been downrating you this the whole beginning of the movie. And now yeah. he's the greatest guy there is? I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 I guess, you know, the, the father wound that he has is an overbearing father. And he's trying to get his approval. And, um... Yeah, there, there's there's two ways you can go about doing that. Number one is you think, okay, well, if I, you know, try, I, I'm trying to impress him still. He's still kind of in that mode versus, you know, I don't want anything to do with you. He's definitely not that. He's, he's the former, not the latter. And I think that's what it is. Um, like everything that he does, he's trying to do to impress uh, his father, which is interesting right, because like, you know, it, it's like the exact opposite. Peter's. Peter doesn't have a father, and yet Uncle Ben's been more of a father to him than Norman was to, to Harry at all, which is kind of right. an interesting. I think he says that, yeah, uh, something somewhere like that. in the movie. Yeah, there, there, yeah. there's something something similar to that effect. But I do think it's interesting the the juxtaposition between those two. Uh, but yeah, the only nitpick that I have, and I didn't talk about it when it came up because he, you know, it's when he was figuring out his powers and whatnot. Organic web shooters. I still can't get past that. <laughs> I mean, the the yeah uh, the comic book. The best part about it is 
his technology right exactly uh, building his web slinger exactly yeah so i mean that that that's the thing that gets me I and mean, for two reasons number one uh you know obviously i'm more about the original storyline for that i don't right, remember right. if if bendis if they're organic and bendis's uh run or not I forget. Well, you know what? I'm uh, drawing a blank too, but I yeah. am a lot older than you, so I'm allowed to. But the thing that gets me about it, even if okay, let's say that these were organic web shooters, and he got he got the, the way to spin a web organically, right? Yeah. Anatomically speaking, do you know where the web would come out of? It wouldn't come out of his wrist. You know where they come out of? Out of his mouth. His butt. Oh, his butt. Oh, that's right. It would. So. You that can't really would... go that way. No, <laughs> no, you couldn't really. So, so my point is, is that 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 <laughs> still gets to me, you know. And so I, I get, you know, but you know, I, so yes, it's that's much the only better thing to, that if I he have. builds it if he yeah. builds them himself. That's the only thing that I say is is a negative for me from a from a Spider Man standpoint. Everything else is is just fine. Um, and, and some of it's even done really well. So, well, I can honestly say the original TV series, right? That they had that the webs were a thousand times better than those webs. Those webs were like flinging somebody throwing a rope <laughs> that looked like a uh, looked like a spider web. Yeah, and they. It, but hey, you know that was all they could do at that time. Sure, I would love. Uh, someday to be able to own that i don't know if i'll be able to find it yeah because um, they did two made for tv movies after that too right and for right. some reason they're not really available either so uh-huh. yep but anyways right. i'm not going to i think we've talked plenty about this movie uh do you have anything else that you have on your mind about it nope nope I, i've said everything i needed to say on it i I'm ready to to wrap it up. Oh, me too. Other than I'm going to force. No, I won't force you, but I'll let you give the your rating first. Oh, certainly would. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, Yeah, I I like this movie a lot. I'm giving it an eight. It's um, it's really good. I like I said, the the only nitpick I have is the, the web shooters. But like you said, the casting is great. The direction's great. And uh, I really did like the making it in the mode of Batman. Um, so anyway, because I love that movie. So it, this movie works well for me, too. So eight. Okay, well, you know, it's funny you say that. But as because as you were saying that uh, in my mind, I'm saying eight <laughs> at the same time that you said eight. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm giving it an eight, you know. So, yeah, uh, definitely uh, for me. Um, I also felt that the music was so compelling. Yeah. Uh, like the uh, little um, clip that you played at the end of that, mm. if you remember uh, when after Peter said what he said, there was all of a sudden that little violin part going right there. Yep. And it was like he knew... Right then and there, when he you could see on Cliff Robertson's face or Uncle Ben's face how it was like stabbing him with a knife, you know. Yeah, it was great acting, and and like I said, the music was wonderful. Um, I liked it more so. If we ever did a non MCU Marvel uh, movie ratings of all those movies, uh, I would put this one probably at one of my highest. So, hmm. yeah. Uh, it was very good. So eight for this. Yep. And we talked about pretty much all the other implications and everything, worldly views. Yep. Um, so I'm saying next week. Yep. My favoriteest one. Okay. Out of the three. Yeah. So for cool. me, anyways. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I, it was definitely whack when I first watched them. I don't know. I, I, I'm keeping an open mind to see what I like the best out of those. Um, but anyway, yep. So, you good? I'm good. All right. Thank you all for joining us for another episode of Pops Collection. Uh, if you have any feedback, feel free to, to like us on Facebook and send us a tweet or a, a message on Facebook. And uh, 
like and share and uh, we'll see you next week with spider-man 2 goodbye and god bless goodbye god bless and tell your friends